Hey guys, welcome to Frosting on the Cake with Ellie and Heidi, Ellie's mom. (laughs) I hope you enjoy our podcast. We will be talking a little bit about ourselves, just different things we think of throughout the day, a little bit of Jesus sprinkled in, and who knows, we might even interview some people. Come along for the ride. Good morning, everyone. Here in Michigan, it's about 8.35 on a Wednesday morning. Wednesdays seem to be the days that the Lord just really lays on my heart to talk to all of you. So here we are on a beautiful looking spring day. As I look out the window, the sun is shining, birds are singing. It is beautiful outside. And to look at it, you would think it was, you know, a nice warmer temperature. However, here in Michigan, in our supposed springtime, it's about 10 degrees. (laughs) So it's very, very cold. Winter does not want to let go, but we are hopeful that spring, real spring, (laughs) not just according to the calendar, is around the corner. But anyway, the Lord laid on my heart today to talk with you about Joshua and Caleb. And if any of you are familiar at all with Joshua and Caleb in the Bible, you know the story about when God was leading the Israelite people out of slavery, out of Egypt, and they were waiting for to be taken into the promised land. When it came time to begin their journey, Moses had sent spies to go look at the land and bring back a report. Now, there are some things about that in itself that I would dig more deeply into, but I'm not going to dig more deeply into it. But the fact of the matter is God promised them land. God did not instruct Moses to send spies to go look at the land prior to taking it over. So that's a whole nother podcast to talk about. But anyway, out of all of the spies, which if I'm not mistaken, there were 12 spies, one man from each tribe. Out of all of them, when they came back, they, the spies that went to look, 10 of the 12 spies looked at the people and the situation and the circumstance and said, oh my goodness, those people are giants. They are way bigger than us. We are like ants to them. And they, as a, as a response to their report, they had turned the hearts of the Israelite people against the idea of going in to take the promised land. Well, Joshua and Caleb were the only two whose hearts were set on the Lord and came back with a report saying, no, this land is amazing. Just like God has promised, it flows with milk and honey. You should see the size of the grapes. And they brought back some of the fruit from the promised land and showed them like, look at this. This is incredible. Look at these amazing things that God has for us. Well, the masses' hearts had been turned by the majority, which was the 10 other spies, and the Israelite people chose not to believe Joshua and Caleb's report and believed the other 10. Therefore, they wandered in the desert for 40 years, waited till the next generation to come along before God would take the next generation who would believe and have faith into the promised land. So now we're all caught up to where I want to talk about Joshua and Caleb's great faith. And there are two different examples. I'm in the book of Joshua. And there are two different examples in here that I want to kind of hone in on 
for us to look at this great faith that they had. The first example I want to look at is Joshua. So um, Moses died and Moses was not allowed to go into the promised land because he had disobeyed God. And God told them, you will not step foot into the promised land. You will be able to see it before you die, but you will not be able to actually walk and go into it. So when Moses had died, God had spoken to Moses and said, you need to anoint Joshua and he will be the next leader of the Israelite people. So God, or so Moses anointed Joshua as the new leader and Moses died. And then Joshua was the one bringing the Israelite people into the promised land. Now, when they went into the promised land, they came across many enemies, of course, and had to go to war and go to battle to take over the land that was promised them. And one thing I want to point out throughout the book of Joshua with all of the battles that they go into, oftentimes there is the promise from God and he's reminding the people that this is land I have given to you. So God speaks to his people in the um, tense of it's already done. So the Israelite people are getting ready to go into battle and God is reassuring them a couple of things. I am with you and I have given this land to you. So God already sees us through that and has carried us through that. We just have to trust and walk through that and trust that, oh my gosh, he does have this battle. I don't know how I am going to get through this battle or this struggle, but you know what? It's not in our strength that we get through it. It is through God's strength that we walk through it and get through it because he's already given us the victory in it, which I think is super important that we remember that. So anyway, the first example I want to talk about with great faith is Joshua's great faith. And I'm sure many of you who've grown up in the church from the time you were small heard the story, which is real, by the way, which I often have to remind myself, of the Battle of Jericho. And for those of you that are not familiar The Battle of Jericho is when Joshua and the Israelite people went to take over the city of Jericho and the way in which they did it was fairly amazing. And I want to talk too um, about the walls of the city of Jericho and how it was protected. Because again, if you just go and look at this city and how it's so fortified in your humanity, you would say, how are we going to win this battle, just like when the spies went in to look at the promised land and said, these people are giants, literal giants. We are but ants to them. No, I don't know how we can do this. Well, the spies that came back with the poor report were looking at the people in the promised land through the lens of humanity, whereas Joshua and Caleb were looking through the lens of um, spirit, their spiritual lens and through the strength of God, realizing God told us he's going to give it to us, He's going to give it to us, you know, no matter how big the people are. But I want to um, share with you how uh, big the walls of the city of Jericho were. So let me go. I'm in Joshua, and I am in uh, chapter, I'm trying to find, I marked the chapter where it tells me about the battle and the victory, but I wanted to see if I could find where it talks about how big um, the walls are, because the walls were very thick and far apart. 
but let me see if I can find them quickly. I should have marked this before. I apologize. Um, let's see. Uh, the ram's horns and the ark. So I'm going through all of the directions. Okay, so I'll just tell you quickly. I wanted to give you the exact dimensions and everything so you could really see and appreciate, like in your mind's eye, this city. But I'll just tell you because I don't want to um, take any more of your time than necessary for trying to search and find it, which I should have done before, so I apologize. Anyway, so when you approach the city of Jericho, um, you would see that the city of Jericho had very large walls around it and not just one wall but it had two walls and the walls were um, incredibly thick like um, the outer wall I want to say was six to twelve I want to say six feet thick is what I want to say it was when I read and then the inner wall was like 12 feet thick and like 40 feet high so in picture in your mind a double walled city that has like a gate. It says in God's word that it had an iron gate in the front and then there were guards at the gate. So basically this city was so well fortified that no one was getting in or out without um, going through this single gate and without being seen and noticed. So um, God tells Joshua, he's like, okay, you know, I'm going to give you Jericho. So this is what you need to do. These are your instructions. And um, God tells him, uh, I'll start in verse 6 of Joshua chapter 2. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. So again, God is speaking to Joshua as though it has already happened. And God is telling him, I've given them over to you. All you have to do is go and fight and do what I ask. So verse 3, this is how God says you're going to do this. And it's very interesting. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Then, oh, excuse me, thus shalt thou do six days. So God is telling him, okay, Joshua, are you ready? We're going to go into battle and we're going to destroy the city. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to gather your men and you're going to march around the walls. And you're going to do this for six days. So kind of unusual, not really a likely way that you would go into battle by marching around the walls of the city. Now, here's the inter interesting thing about this. So God tells him, you know, you're going to walk around the walls of the city for six days, and you're going to have the Ark of the Covenant with you. You're going to have seven trumpets of ram's horns. And on the seventh day, this is what God says. He says, and, the, and this is verse four of chapter six. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times and the priest shall blow with the trumpets and it shall come to pass that when they make a loud blast with the ram's horn and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. So what, he's tell, what God is telling him is, Joshua, you're gonna take your army and you're gonna go march around the city one time a day for six days. So they're going to come out of their camp, march around the walls of the city. Now, when they go around the walls of the city, the one time a day for six days, they don't make noise. They don't say anything. They don't blow the trumpets. They do nothing. They just march around the city and go back to their camp. So picture this, you know, let's say, let's say you're in your house and a bunch of people show up one day 
and they just march around your house once and leave. They come back the next day, do it again, leave. Come back the third day, do it again, leave. Fourth day, fifth day. Well, probably by the fourth or so day, I mean, yes, this is weird. You know, you would be like, what is going on? This is strange, but the people leave. So after a couple days, you would kind of ignore it. Just be like, okay, whatever, that person or people, they're here marching around again, whatever. And you would just ignore it. Well, this is what I'm thinking that the people who are like the lookouts in the city, they would all be gathered around the wall and be like, oh, look, those people are coming back again and marching. They're so weird. What are they doing? They're not saying anything. They're just marching around. And the people would become complacent about it and ignore it, which I think is kind of a good picture too of us and our faith, but that's a whole nother pod as well. But anyway, um, so Josh was instructed by the Lord that on the seventh day, you and your army are to march around the city seven times, okay? And it says here um, in verse 5 of chapter 6, And it shall come to pass that when they make a loud blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. So now the ram's horns are blowing, so like loud trumpets are blowing, and people are screaming and yelling and making a loud noise, but this is just on the seventh time around. And then listen to what happens. And the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on, encompass the city, and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. So he's giving them instructions on how they're to be passing by the ark of the Lord um, as they walk past. So Joshua gives the people the instructions, the people follow the instructions, okay? So um, then I'm going to skip ahead from verse 4. I just read 4 through 7. So now I'm going to skip ahead in chapter 6 to verse 20. So it says, So the people shouted when the priest, so this is obviously the seventh time around on the seventh day, and Seven is the number of completion in God's word. So I find that very interesting that, you know, God had them march around seven days and then on the seventh day, seven times. And then on the seventh time is when they blow the trumpets and the people shout. I just find it very interesting. God's word is so, um, I think it's so cool how God's word is so complete and how you can make all of those connections in God's word. And it is always, um, God is always faithful and he shows us that in his word by these different things. So anyway, verse seven, or excuse me, verse 20. So the people shouted with the pre- when the priests blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city, verse 21, and they utterly destroyed all all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep, and ass with the edge of the sword. And then um, verse 24, and they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and of iron that put they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Because God gave them instruction on what to do with um, what they call the plunder or the spoil after they overtake the city. And God told them, excuse me, to take the silver, the gold and the vessels of brass and iron, and then to um, give them 
uh, unto the house of the Lord. And we could go into all of that later. But um, I think it is so neat to see how God will take a battle, quote unquote, in our lives that we look at and think of those gigantically thick and high walls of the city. And another thing to add to that, on the inner wall, houses were built up against the inner wall, which would strengthen it that much more. And the unique way that God tells us how to go into, quote, our battle. We in our humanity will look at that and go, oh Lord, I do not know how I am ever going to have victory over this, let alone you walk me through this. I cannot do this. And we're right in our strength. We cannot do this, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We need to recall God's word, hide it in our hearts so that we may not sin against him. And sinning against him partially is not believing and not trusting him. And I'm sure that there were some people in the army that were like, Joshua, really, we're going to march around the walls and not say anything for six days. And then on the seventh day, we're going to all of a sudden, you know, yell and scream and, you know, blow these trumpets and make all of this noise. Well, in a commentary I read about this, what they were saying was that with the marching around the walls and doing that, it would um, create and I'm sure not just the people because this is obviously God's hand, but it would create um, shaking of the ground. And with it doing the shaking of the ground, it would make um, it would make it be like an earthquake. Now, I am sure God obviously created the earthquake, but with the people marching around the city and making all the noise, all of the vibration of that sound would make that earthquake um, you know, add to that earthquake. So I thought it was really neat that they talked about that in the commentary about how God would cause an earthquake when they decided to, well, not decided, when they obeyed God and made the noise and yelled and blew the horns and blew the trumpets and were making just all of this chaos out around the walls of the city. Because remember, in my head, I'm thinking the, the people, the lookout, the people, the lookout towers were like, oh, look, here they come again. What are they going to do? Well, then, oh, look, they're marching around, you know, not just once, but two, three, four, five, six. This is interesting. Oh, my gosh, what are they doing now on the seventh time? And next thing you know, those people that were in the watchtowers are now on the ground going, uh-oh, because they became complacent. And now the walls are, it says in God's word, the walls fell down flat. So it's not that there were even little bits of, you know, the wall that were higher than the other where they could, you know, run, quick run to the high part of the towers or run to the high part of the wall and we can save ourselves and save our people. No, the walls fell down flat and then the Israelite people were able to go in and wipe out all of the people inside the walls of Jericho because God had what? He had already delivered victory into their hands because he had promised that that's what he would do, and he did. Um, so I just, I, I just wanted to kind of bring this to light because if it weren't for Joshua's great faith some 40 years prior, because remember he was only, and he and Caleb were the only two spies that were of the original um, generation 
the only two people from the original generation that got to step foot into the promised land. All of the other people, the original set of people, none of them, except for Joshua and Caleb, got to step foot into the promised land. So now Joshua was faithful to the Lord when he was young and went in to look at the promised land and gave the fair, honest report back to Moses and the Israelite people. And now Joshua not only gets to come into the promised land and step foot in it, but he gets to lead the people into the promised land, lead them into battle after battle after battle. Because um, this first battle here with the walls of Jericho is one of many battles that Joshua will lead the Israelite people into to see the fruit of faithfulness. And that is kind of what I want to just impress upon our hearts and minds today is there is there is fruit to our faithfulness. God is faithful. God is true to his word. When God tells you, I have delivered this to you already, back in verse 6, Joshua 6, 2, remind ourselves, and the Lord said unto Joshua, see, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. God is speaking to Joshua as though it has already happened before Joshua has even stepped foot or walked toward conquering that battle. So I want us to be encouraged today and remember that our faithfulness will produce the fruit that God has promised. We just need to walk through it and we just need to remember the battle's not ours. We're not the ones fighting the battle. God is fighting the battle. He is giving the strength to us through his Holy Spirit, through his son Jesus. When you are born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, you know God because you have a relationship with God the Father through Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit is within you to give you that strength to do those things. Um, So quickly, I want to read to you in chapter 6, verses 8 through 16. Then I'm going to skip ahead and talk with you about Caleb and an example of his great faith. So um, I want to read chapter 6, verses 8 through 16. And it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord, excuse me, um, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. Verse 9. And the armed men went before the priests that blew the trumpets and the re, re, reward <laughs> came After the ark, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, Ye shall not shout. So these are the instructions for going around the wall. Because going before the ark of the covenant and the priests blowing the trumpets, this was what they did to prepare before going into battle. So at their camp, they did this and passed before the ark of the covenant and the priests. So now Joshua is giving them the instructions in verse 10. And Joshua had commanded the people saying, ye shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice. Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout, then shall ye shout. So he's saying basically in verse 10, remember, be quiet. Don't say a word, don't make a sound, don't do anything at all as far as making any noise, not even a peep, until the day comes that I tell you to shout. Because remember, God had given Joshua the instruction and told him, this is what you're going to do. You're going to walk around the city one time a day 
for six days. And then on the seventh day, you're going to march around the city seven times. And on the seventh time around, you're going to make noise, but not until then. So that's very important that they listen to Joshua and what he is telling them, because these are strict instructions that the Lord gave them. So verse 11, so the ark of the Lord compassed the city going about at once, and they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. So they're saying, okay, the ark of the Lord uh, went in with the army following around the city one time. Verse 12, and Joshua rose early in the morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord and seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets and the armed men went before them. So again, they, before they left camp, they stood up, they blew the trumpets, the men walked in front of the ark and then proceeded to go out to go walk around the city. Um, verse verse 14, and the second day they compassed the city once and returned into the camp, so they did six days. So they're just telling us that's what they did uh, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day. Verse 15, and it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. So just like they did before, one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven. Only on that day they compassed the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. So that's when he told them, Now shout. Verse 17. And the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Now, this talks about Rahab, and that's another day um, day's discussion. But they save Rahab and her family because she hid um, spies that went prior to to prepare people for this battle. And I can talk about that at a later date. So verse 17 goes on to say, only Rahab, pardon me, only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house because she hid the messengers that, um, that we sent. And like I said, that's talking about the spies that went before and how Rahab um, hid them because the um, men in the city had gotten word that there were spies from the Israelite people and they went around searching house to house and Rahab had hidden them up on the rooftop of her house and she had told the men when they came to her house no they're not here I don't know where they where they are they left they're not here and so they went on to the next house when really she had hidden them up on the rooftop and she had said to the spies she said I believe you are you know people of God, and we have heard about how God has given you victory, and please, since I hid you, please save me and my family when you come and overtake Jericho. So that's the story of Rahab, the harlot, and all of that. But um, I just, I wanted to encourage all of us in that when we are, when we have faith and we trust and believe that God will do what he says he's going to do, that we need to remember that our faithfulness will have fruit, the fruit of our faithfulness. We will see it. It may not be, um, we may not get the victory of the battle, whatever that quote battle is that we're up against right now. We may not get the victory in the timing that we think we should, and we may not also get that victory in the way in which we think we should. But if we remember God's promise to Joshua and to the Israelite people, I go back to verse 2 in chapter 6 of Joshua where the Lord says, and the Lord said unto Joshua, see, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and all the mighty men of valor. We need to remember that God's got it. God's on the other side of it. And it's, uh, we've already been delivered from it. 
We just need to trust and remember that God is faithful and that our faithfulness to God will see fruit. So that's Joshua. Now, Caleb, the other young man, you know, that went, or young man, the other man that went with Caleb, or excuse me, with Joshua as the spy prior to, the other person that was seen um, to be faithful was Caleb. Now, Caleb's story is interesting because when you go to the book of Joshua and you look in chapter 14, when the land is now, so they've conquered all of this, you know, they've conquered many of the cities and the land is being divided by lots to the different tribes of Israel. And Joshua is, you know, saying, okay, this is your portion of the land from, you know, this river to that river or this border and whatnot. And um, Caleb goes to Joshua and says this in verse 14, verse 7, Caleb goes to Joshua and he says this, he says, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. So this is what I was referring to and telling you about prior to. And I brought him word again, again, as it was in mine heart. So Caleb is saying, I came back to Moses. Remember Joshua, you and I, I came back too. And I told the truth of what we saw of what I trusted in my heart. And I knew to be true. Verse eight, nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. So in other words, the other guys, remember that we spied with, they made all the people scared. Remember that? But I wholly followed the Lord, my God. And Caleb's like, remember, I followed God. I trusted God. I with you, just the two of us. Remember, I trusted God wholly with all my heart. Verse nine, and Moses swear on that day saying, surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. So Caleb's recounting for Joseph. Remember Moses told me and he swore on that day that I would be given an inheritance of this land, the land that my feet are on, that I would get an inheritance, me and my children. So in other words, my ancestors, my people that will go after me, that they will have that land as well. Verse 10, and now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive. So he's saying, now see, here I am still 40 years later. So if he was 40 when he went in, some years have passed, and now he's going to tell us how old he is. He says, um, and now behold, verse 10, chapter 14, and now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these 40 and five years, even since the Lord spake his word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. So to translate that, he's now 85 years old. And I want that to sink in for a little bit, um, and it will go on and tell us about how, um, you know, Joshua, how strong Joshua is still at 85. But I want us to let that sink in that, or excuse me, Caleb, how old Caleb is at, um, at this time, how he's 85 years old. Caleb had great faith. He had great faith 45 years earlier. He had great faith 45 years later. He had faith and he, this is the word I want us to remember, waited. Ah, patience, waiting, faithfulness, trusting. Caleb did all of those things. He was faithful, continued to be faithful. He trusted. He continued to trust God. He waited and waited and waited. (laughs) And I bring this up because 
I know that for all of us in our humanity, we want God to do things in our time and in our timing, but we need to remember we need to remember that our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our timing is not his timing and whose timing is always perfect? God's timing. And when we try to rush ahead and accomplish it on our own, it's either not going to happen or it's not going to happen as wonderfully well as what it would have had we waited, been faithful, and trusted. So I want to read on. So here we are, verse 11, chapter 14 of Joshua. As yet, so he's telling them, and now I'm 85 years old. And he says, as yet, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to go in. Now, verse 12, now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. So Caleb is going to Joshua basically and laying it down. He's saying, listen, buddy, Moses told me I could have this. I know God is faithful. I might be 85 years old, but guess what? I am as strong now as I was the day it was promised to me. I'm as strong now as I was the day that I saw this land. I am as strong now as what I was when I walked through this land, and I am ready to go to battle. I am ready to go to war. And why does he say that he's ready to go to war? He says he's ready to go to war because he says, if so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. So Caleb's not trusting his own strength, even though at 85, he's as strong as he was at 40, which, wow, that's amazing. But um, yeah, just think about that for a minute. Anyway, um, he's saying, I know I'm as strong as I was the day I saw this land. I know that I have the physical strength and prowess just like I did the day I saw this land. But I, again, am not putting my trust, my faith, my um, confidence in me I'm putting it in the Lord because he says, if the Lord is with me, then you know what? I shall be able to go and drive them out as the Lord said. He's placing his trust in the Lord, not in himself and not in his own strength. So verse 13, and Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh Hebron for an inheritance. Verse 14, Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite unto this land because that he, what? He wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. I mean, that's just amazing to me. So Caleb had faith. Caleb had trust in the Lord. Caleb knew that in God's timing, I will get this land. And the neat thing to me is that Caleb was still at 85 years old, willing to do what he knew God called him to do to get the land that God had promised him, which was still fight, still battle, still stand strong, still go up against the enemy, not in his strength, not in Caleb's strength, but knowing that the Lord was with him going up and in, in God's strength. Oh my gosh, that is just, it's so cool to me and it's so amazing to me that we see time after time after time, God is good, God is faithful, God can be trusted, 
God can, we can place our full confidence in God because we can be reassured that God is with us and God's word tells us if God is for us, then what? Who can be against us? And even at 85 years old, Caleb still stood up just as strong, just as sure, just as confident, just as full of faith in God, knowing that he would deliver the enemy into his hands because he knew God was faithful. Oh my goodness. The witness that we have in Caleb and Joshua is so incredible to me that when I have times, as we all do in our life, where we come against, quote, an enemy, we go before, quote, a battle in our life, whatever that may be for us, if we would just stop and pause and pray and ask the Lord, Lord, help me to have great faith. Help me to have great trust in you. Help me to not see the enemy with my eyes of humanity, but Lord, please give me my spiritual eyes to see that you are faithful, you are good, you will deliver me through this battle, you will deliver the enemy into my hands, and as strange as it may look to us, whatever it is that God is calling us to do, like how weird did that look to them, to these warriors, when you know Joshua said to them, we're going to walk around the walls of the city, Yep, and we're not going to say a word. And uh, we're going to walk around the walls of the city for um, seven days. And yeah, for six days, we're not going to say a word. And then on the seventh day, we're going to make a big bunch of noise and the walls are going to fall. Can you imagine as a man in this army, you would have been like, uh, yeah, okay, sure. But you know what? I'll do it. If you say that's what God wants us to do, I'll do it. And then they do it and they see God's faithfulness and the walls not only fall, but the walls crumble flat to the ground so that you can basically do this incredible sneak attack on these people in this city. I pray that we each choose to remember when you come up, come up against a battle, come up against an enemy, and maybe it's something we've been battling for a long time or an enemy that's been you know um, prodding and poking at us for a long time. I pray that we all choose to remember, you know what, I may not be fighting this battle the way that I and my humanity think I should, but I'm trusting God because I know he is faithful and he is good. And we know that he will deliver us from this and give us victory because God's word tells us, I've already given you the victory. It's just for you to walk in it. Until we meet again.